0: Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host Donnie Blanchard, brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most and Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. It's September, the weather's been cooler, the humidity lower, and that's just how I like it. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith, across from me. General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Welcome, Donnie. Hey, it's good to be here, man. Hey, I know. She got a new ride. Yeah, I did. It's never been a better time to trade your existing
1: vehicle in. And I just started to look around and there's a big time shortage on trucks that I like or that I would need to carry out my uh, everyday business duties. And um, I actually ran across somebody local here down at John Heaster Chevrolet. Got hooked up with a guy, TJ Tate, that works there. And uh, man, they had an abundance of trucks like I haven't seen anywhere around. And I think the next closest place was all the way in Kentucky. So uh, for our contractor listeners, if you're in need of a work truck or a personal vehicle, even highly recommend those guys go see TJ down at John Heaster. Did
0: you get your truck set up with a low rider outfit there?
1: Absolutely. The squat thing I, the squ- I, that <laughs> drives me crazy. I hope they outlaw that sooner than later. Okay.
0: I told my son he can have any truck he wants and he can do anything he wants to it with his own money. Right. But if it has loud mufflers or anything. Yeah. He will have to find another place to live because I'm not gonna have it in my neighborhood. Everybody look at me, and go, that's the dad with the son who's <laughs> a jerk ball. Absolutely. And my son agrees with that. He doesn't like those trucks. Good. But this isn't a car show. The Carolina contractor's about your house. The roof, basement, a crawl space, depending where you live, the walls, the inside, the outside. We talk about all sorts of things. And the best place to start is at the website, the Carolina Contractor. Dot com. We've got a bunch of information there. We've got the Facebook page. Oh, if you have a question for Donnie, again, he's a general contractor. So if you have a question about your house, hit the button that says Ask the Contractor. Click on that and ask a, a question to Donnie about your house. We're going to try to get to some of those today. But it's a, it's a fun thing to do, and and you'll learn something at the same time. Today's subject we're going to be talking about is the future. And it sounds funny, but it's going to be about what things we expect when it comes to building and supplies in the future. And in the further future, well, I guess the further, further future, <laughs> we're going to have a special guest on in a couple yep. weeks. And that is...
1: Yes, Dr. Peden is an immunologist who trained under Fauci uh, some years ago, and he's uh, now a resident of North Carolina and works at the UNC hospital system. And he's just full of good information. And I kind of like to go straight to the source because there's, uh, there's all kind of information out there and, and he seems to always guide me in the right direction, whether it be the latest on COVID, uh, the vaccines, the FDA approval, and just how contractors and homeowners can operate in the safest possible
0: environment together. Yeah, my question will be on ventilation because I think I saw a <laughs> report recently that yep. we had talked about this in past episodes, that ventilation inside a building or a structure might be more important than right. masks. So we'll be able to ask him that question. But again, that's next week. We'll have Dr. Pete, but today we're going to be talking about the future and and stuff like that. When you said future, it made
1: me think about something uh, that I posted regarding the past. We always talk about older homes having good bones because mm-hmm. the wood was grown so slowly. I ran across a really good diagram and it shows an end cut and the growth rings from a two by four that's present and a two by four from the 1970s. And it basically goes into a, a quick little story with the diagram that tells you know why that happened and what they started to do in the 70s. To to try to grow the lumber faster and uh, just a neat illustration and a really short, quick explanation.
0: Now we're talking about building in past couple of weeks, we're talking about remodeling and we got a, a huge response to that. And a lot of people saying, Hey, do you have somebody who can remodel my <laughs> insert your room or project here? Right. But we want to talk about the future because one thing people are wondering, like with lumber, should I... Take on this project now, or do you think lumber prices are going to drop more? Because they've dropped significantly since the last year and even in the past few months. And you've dug up some more information on that, Donnie.
1: Yeah. um, So I'll just start with the immediate future, uh, meaning like now – to the next year out. We mentioned in the show, uh, past show, on high lumber prices in relation to low interest rates, mm-hmm. and uh, we said that this is really a sweet spot to build because lumber's starting to come down uh, pretty aggressively, and whether you're going to be buying a house or being the builder or your own contractor, the gap between the cost of the project and the returns you can make has never been bigger than it is. Lumber, it's still under $500 per board foot, and my prediction was that we would stabilize somewhere around there. I think it'll drop a little bit more, but probably pretty close to being a stable as it will be for the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And to comment on that, if this COVID situation progressively gets worse through the winter, I can't see the Federal Reserve raising interest rates just yet. They're going to have to leave things alone. And that's just speculation because I really don't know, but I just can't see them if things don't continue to improve going up on the interest
0: rates to hurt you know everybody as a whole. As we talk about the future and stuff, we we are going to mention some numbers maybe, and we just mentioned interest rates and the Federal Reserve. These are opinions we have. We've done a little bit of research on this, so it's not a doom show.
1: No. There are some really good uh, economic indicators on the horizon. Uh, The Federal Reserve said that our economy is expected to grow about 7% in the next year, and uh, historically speaking, when uh, the economy grows, usually – Construction is a pretty major contributor to that. The fact that our house market is booming right now, mm-hmm. the number of new starts on new construction is up higher than it's ever been. Uh, that's a really promising thing. Kind of like the wind is at our back uh, for construction staying strong. So if you're a builder or even in the market to buy, I think that um, I think that there will be plenty more inventory out there in the coming year. A big deal to dive into commercial is this infrastructure plan. Uh, some has already passed, and some is uh, some bills are still in waiting. But um, right. A lot of folks in the commercial world are seeing this infrastructure uh, spending opportunity, and they've actually labeled it as a -a once-in-a-generation investment. And, of course, this will be more things like public projects, and um, we primarily talk about the residential world, but a lot of these uh, commercial construction companies are licking their chops, and they know that there's going to be so much work out there. What scares me about these things is they'll have to be really careful because public projects don't offer the same uh, financial protection as like a private or a a residential contract Mm -hmm. would. For instance, if I have a subcontractor who doesn't get paid, he has the ability to go on the NC liens website and he can actually put a lien on the house. So you can't close on that house until
0: that dollar amount is uh, satisfied. And it doesn't have to be a lot. A long time ago, I worked with a landscaper who was just putting in a retaining wall. right? And for some argument, The contractor refused to pay him. So he put a, well, I think it's called a mechanics lien Uh on the property. Oh, he got paid real quick because they shut it down immediately. I know. Um, The other
1: scary thing about a public project is that they don't have anything to protect them from cost escalation clauses. So the contract basically says you have to do it for X amount and If things go up or materials uh, availability changes, that leaves the contractor just scrapping to find something that will, of course, satisfy the inspections department. But that could be a major hiccup in a big public project should you take something like that on.
0: And what about the fact that it's finding people to work, manpower? I mean, if you don't have the employees, you got to pay them more to try to get workers in. Absolutely. It could be dicey.
1: Yeah. Labor shortage is a real thing. And we commented quite a bit on that uh, on the last show. And just having these qualified workers and and the time it takes to train for all these new products that are out is just a real thing and there's no substitute for a guy who's been in business for thirty years and and just really knows his trade really well and like you said it's not a doom show but if I had to comment on one thing that is definitely going to impact us in the next year I would say it's this hyperinflation um, uh, mm. the same economist I mentioned they said that we should brace ourselves for the strongest, the most inflation that we've seen in decades so that as a result of reopening the country really quick and then the trillions of dollars in stimulus they said that it could lift prices of everything in the fastest rate we've seen in our lifetime so get ready things
0: aren't going to get cheaper Someone like you a general contractor you're seeing that price increase in just about everything you have to buy
1: Yeah I would say that I average about 80 to 100 dollars extra just in filling up my gas tank yeah. every week and I have you know times that times 12 trucks and that money's got to come from
0: somewhere exactly. Now, there's also talk of the, you mentioned a little bit of part of infrastructure spending. There's a, the mm-hmm. plan is $3.5 trillion for infrastructure. Right. I asked you before you we went on the air, Donnie, what do you think of when I say infrastructure? Right. I just think, you know, roads, sewers. Bridges, electrics, yeah. grids, things like that. This plan is not predominantly what we would consider infrastructure. Right. A lot of the experts and the pundits, will call them experts, they know more than I do, say it will not pass as it right. is. But to give you an idea how much $3.5 trillion is for an infrastructure plan, that was the total U.S. government budget for the year 2010. Wow. So in 11 years, they want to spend more on one infrastructure project than they spent on the entire government, mm. $3.5 trillion dollars. Let's go a little bit farther out, Donnie. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you see five years out?
1: So a couple of things that are trending is, and I'll just say modular construction. um, There are companies that basically build walls or rooms that can be um, shipped out to your site and put together uh, sort of like a modular home where this has hit home for me is one of the houses I have under construction uh, working for a gentleman who works at a trust company. So Mm -hmm. wall panels are something that his company offers. So I said, Hey, let's do it and see how this goes. But uh, basically this is a two by six wall, about an eight foot section. If you have a window in that area, of course, the rough openings for the windows are already cut out and it has OSB on the outside of the wall. But um, one of the advantages of this is that it cuts out all the waste. So literally, you're putting the exterior walls or the envelope of the house together like a puzzle. And uh, it comes with everything except the uppermost top plate. So it comes with the top plate. And then when it's all said and done, you tie everything together with an additional two by six top plate. But yeah, these things are numbered. Uh, They come out to the site. All you need is small crane and
0: you Mm -hmm. can set everything in place and virtually have no waste. And is it true that all the walls, the corners is just Velcro? Absolutely, just assemble it with Velcro. (laughs) That makes it much easier, and you get that cool sound because the Velcro sound is kind of relaxing. That reminds me, um, Sears was like, you couldn't couldn't you buy a house back in the uh, day from Sears catalog?
1: Well, you're a lot older than I am, and I really don't remember. But um, son, go ahead. uh, (laughs) uh, I think they cut that off back in the '40s. But yeah, Sears sold a. a kit, and it was about 12,000 pieces and parts, if I understand that correctly. And uh, they sold about 100,000 of these. So, yeah, there are still houses you can
0: find today that were the old Sears home building kit. Yeah, so, just check that. You can go online and search at Sears houses that are still up that are 100 years old. Yeah, for and, sure. And and some of them are in uh, Hurricane Alley. In the – um. But in the bigger cities, you're starting to
1: see a lot more of this modular stuff. And this is on a commercial application, but they basically have an entire room built with everything in the walls that's ready to go. So it's a little different than the wall panels I just mentioned for residential, but uh, they call these rooms modules. And basically they just ship a bunch of modules to a construction site. So once your foundation is in, you basically put the rooms together or stack the rooms or however you want to do that. And they say that it's cheaper to do it this way, but it certainly cuts down on uh, the main thing and that's time. So when you're in a downtown area... Uh, you don't want to be there for a year with a building under construction because of all the headaches of the traffic and um, all the folks that will be passing by. But yeah, if you can go in there and say a month or two and you can have your building completely ready to move in, I-, I feel like that's a big advantage. By no means is this any kind of endorsement for modular homes. Uh, right. Being that I'm a custom home builder, of course, I look at those things with a really critical eye and uh, not going to bash any modular homes, but their tagline is, well, Anything you can ship down the road at 55 miles an hour must be pretty good. If it, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I mean, yeah, I, I get that, but uh, there, there are a lot of... Well, then uh, I'll live in a
0: school bus.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, there's that too. Modular, definitely inferior to custom built. And um, it, if it's cheaper and it works for you and it's faster and uh, those kind of things work out, you know, go for it. But uh, what I'm seeing now is we're uh, really competitively priced with them. So if mm-hmm. it's not going to be a money issue, definitely go custom all the
0: way. All right, let's uh, look into our crystal ball here. It's Carolina Contractor Show. We're talking about the future and building and products and things like that. Let's look farther in the future. Let's go past five years. And And you came up with a fact on population. People are <laughs> in this world are making babies. Yeah, I uh, read this thing that said our population was expected to increase by
1: 2.2 billion uh, by the year 2050. So that many more people in the next 30 years, they're going to need somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to step away from construction and just – put something in here that I read uh, regarding Google, and I'll get to why this is important, but I never knew that Google basically was a subsidiary of a parent company, but Mm -hmm. uh, their founders became so invested in developing other businesses over the years that uh, they actually stopped calling the company Google in 2016 and renamed it Alphabet. And then Google is just a subsidiary of Alphabet. But um, just to touch on a few things that they do, Calico is also a uh, subsidiary uh, of Alphabet, and they are the biotech biotech company. Basically, their focus is on extending human life. Uh, another one is called Verily. Uh, that's their life sciences uh, subsidiary. And you know they do things like make contact lenses for diabetics, and that will tell them when their glucose level is too high. And um, they have a, a really good one. This is kind of like the think tank, but this is Google X, and they drop the Google and just call it X. But Uh, This is the one where they pioneer things like driverless cars, and they've been working on that for years. But um, X's mission statement reads, we're a moonshot factory. Our mission is to invent and launch moonshot technologies that we hope could someday make the world a radically better place. In their opinion, what they consider
0: better. Right. Uh, Uh, Not to be Orwellian, I'm just, statements like that are so generic. It's like, hey, what we consider a better place. (laughs) Well, could I have a vote in that? No, you can't. We're making the decision. Well, when X comes out with a project, they have one of three outcomes for all these
1: projects, and they're either elevated to a division, and then it's made public. Um, They're either spun out to become a separate subsidiary company, or they just crush the whole project because it just didn't go where it needed to go. But um, uh, the very first company to ever come out of X and be spun into this subsidiary company is something called Flux, and this is the reason I mentioned this, but Mm -hmm. uh, Flux's initial focus was to make buildings and building those buildings more efficient. And of course, they've tweaked that focus in years to come. But the important thing to call out here is that Google saw this problem of an increased population in the next 30 years as being a problem. And they realized that at the pace that we're building, um, you know, whether it be multifamily or single family, at the pace we're building now, we won't have enough places for all these people to live if we don't do something right now.
0: And I think that there are definitely advantages to having think tanks and focusing on building and construction because we all know what a shanty town is. We know areas of the world that are prone to not only earthquakes or natural disasters, but the housing situation is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's literally metal roofing used as walls and lean-tos. So we talked about this. Goodness, is this maybe two years ago when you first dropped 3D housing? (laughs) Yeah. So you can print the walls closer to the spot where the house will be built, whereas before it might be the port and have to be shipped or manufacturing. And so someone in the middle of a continent couldn't get housing materials very easily. Now they bring the printers to a remote area and actually start developing the materials to build the house right there. Absolutely. The 3D
1: printer or 3D homes are going to be a game changer. They already are. Um, Mm -hmm. Since we did the show, there are companies popping up all over the country that actually do these things, and it looks like – almost two crane towers and it, it looks like a giant it looks like the guts of a regular desktop printer but on a large scale and so basically you put in the slab foundation and uh, that thing just zooms back and forth across the slab and it builds the walls where they're going to go and that being said you still need trained or skilled carpenters to do things like put windows in and uh, do all the uh the interior uh things and also uh, the roof still has to be built I don't know that they figured out a really good solution for building 3D anything on a slope. So Mm -hmm. uh, still, still a need for some of those workers. But up until you get to that point, really it's just one guy overseeing this massive machine on a job site is really all that you need. Um, One thing I'm going to do after the new semester starts in, I guess in January for the college kids is we're doing a a program and we'll have a whole show tailored around this, but we're doing something similar to what we tried to do last year and set up some of these folks in the construction program with internships. And I have a list of about four Mm -hmm. uh, 3D printing construction companies on the East Coast that I'm going to reach out to. And I think it'd be really cool to get one of these young guys uh, get him in there for the summer and do an internship and let him come back here on the radio show and talk about it. That would be a fantastic yeah.
0: idea. It is pretty exciting. And and we look at these, again, blue collar jobs is, is a negative thing, but you still need people to put on the roofs and run the electric and, and the plumbing. And I'm not seeing technology being able to do that efficiently. It's right. got to be connected and the demand is very high. And if there's a whole bunch more houses needing to be built you're going to need a whole lot more people to do it. And they're going to be paying good yep. money. They're paying good money. Now the sign on bonuses are very significant.
1: Yeah. I think thousands
0: so. and thousands of dollars. I can't believe it, Donnie. We, we just burned through this quick <laughs> enough. We've got time for questions that people have sent to us. Yes, are you sir. ready to answer some? Uh, let's go. Do you have a question about your house? The inside, the outside, the top, the bottom, go to the website first, the dot There's a button there that says, ask the contractor again, Donnie Blanchard is a general contractor. So it doesn't matter what the question is about your house, doesn't even have to be about your house. You can talk about grills if you really want to get them going, (laughs) but uh, go ahead and submit your question there. And we're going to read some right now that came in. Question number one, Donnie, what's the best way to help with garage heat buildup? Yeah, this was just
1: one question out of, uh, I've got about five at the same time um, regarding everybody's garage being so hot because we just, I don't know if it was an extraordinarily hot summer or if I'm just getting older, but it felt, yeah, you are getting old. And that's cranky. true. That's true. Um, well, I, I advise the first thing is insulate your garage. So if you don't have insulation in the walls, you know, that's uh that's the first thing because it you don't have anything to stop the heat transfer. Right. Um, I looked at the addresses for a couple of these and most of these are oriented where uh, they face southwest on the garage side. And that, you know, hot uh, late afternoon sun is just something it. that bakes it. Yeah. But um, if you don't have insulation in the walls, that's a biggie. An insulated garage door is just about as important as that. And if you don't have an insulated garage door, I would Google that because it's something that can totally be retrofitted. It's not that expensive. Hmm. Um, One thing that I've installed for a couple of folks is it's called a through wall vent. So it's basically... Uh, an oversized bath fan that goes on a sidewall kind of thing okay yeah so uh, they have I think the fan speed's about 200 cfm and they're fairly easy to install Uh, they have a switch right there on the fan so you don't have any need for an electrician to come in and wire anything and you know put a separate switch in but um, they seem to work really well I think one fan will do a one car garage so if you have a bigger garage you may have to install another fan and um, in some cases, you know, uh, if you have brick or something, it may be a little more work, but a uh, vinyl siding house, it's, it's pretty much a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't have a finished bonus room above their garage. So if you don't have anything above it, there's a whole house fan that you can buy now. Um, that would, you know, it's what they used to have before they had air conditioned and they work really well, but installing a whole house fan on your ceiling is, uh, is something that would be an option if there is no living space. All in all, to let your garage be that hot and not do anything about it, it's not good for your utility's sake to have this really hot space adjacent to your climate-controlled area. And basically, it just uh, doesn't help with the heat transfer that we always talk so much about. So, you
0: know, uh, three-wall side vent or overhead
1: whole house fan style will help
0: a lot. All right. Question number two sent to thecarolinacontractor.com for Donnie Blanchard. We want to put a slate roof on house I would assume. They mm-hmm. didn't say what they want to put yeah. it on. We want to put a slate roof on our pool table. Uh how do we know if we are okay structurally? Because slate weighs a whole bunch.
1: Oh, it does. So um in the roofing world, we always judge shingles by how much they weigh per square. And you know, every bundle of shingles is about seventy-five pounds. So that times three bundles per square, and you're looking at two hundred and twenty-five pounds-ish. Um so uh to put that in perspective, slate is well over a thousand pounds per square. So you're talking uh, four to five times more on the weight, and it's definitely worthy to um, look at your house before you do this and see that if it's structurally adequate. Uh, I would call a local structural engineer. Yeah. If you can't find one, maybe touch base with the inspections department or your local municipality and say, hey, this is what I got. I want to get an engineer out to at least give me a letter or look at my existing structure and say if it's okay. Uh, a lot of these truss roofs that you see are, are as small as a two by four, but it's just braced from every which way, and it just doesn't have the uh, Capacity to hold something that is—I'd say the average house is thirty squares. So mm-hmm. you know you're you're talking major weight up top, and um, structural engineer will also come out and check your foundation and just basically uh, look at everything before you do this.
0: Isn't there baked slate?
1: I was just about to oh, say okay. that the best the best option, and if you're not hell bent on uh, the real slate, or say you're in a historical society and you have to use real sl- slate, uh, then that's one thing. But if not. Uh, they make a synthetic slate, and you uh, uh, until you touch it, you can't tell the difference. But it's actually uh-huh. lighter than the shingles would be, and oh. a really good, uh, a superior wind rating to to real slate and everything. So I I'm a big fan of that system because it all locks together, and uh, you can actually you can screw the fake slate down. So you know any product you put on your roof with screws is going to be highly wind resistant, and that's what I recommend.
0: All right, question number three for Donnie. We're rolling along. We are changing our homeowner's insurance. What do you recommend? I don't want to call any insurance company out by
1: name because I don't want to get one of those letters from them, but um, there are a few big players and you see them all over the TV with the catchy riffs and everything. And uh, what I tell folks is a lot of those companies, you know, maybe they hire a new executive and where uh, not all the big companies are bad, but um, what I'm starting to see is, you know, as hurricanes or hailstorms become more prominent, they're really tightening down on their payouts. So Uh, Basically, with insurance, you're just buying air until something happens. Mm -hmm. And what I recommend and what I've always done is I go to the smaller agencies because the smaller agencies represent as many as 20 or 30 smaller insurance companies. And why that's a big deal is um, the bigger companies, they usually have what you call staff adjusters. So you have an accident, you know, they come out, they assess the damage, they put it in their software and they give you a check. Well, these staff adjusters are usually salary guys, Mm -hmm. and what I did in my 20s is I was a self-employed adjuster. These smaller companies use all self-employed adjusters or most self-employed adjusters, and the reason that is important to you as a homeowner is because a self-employed adjuster operates on what they call a fee schedule. So the more he pays you, the more he makes, and uh, if you get a staff adjuster out there, they have zero incentive Uh, to do right by you if it's say it's something that's on the fence a lot of times if it's black and white it doesn't matter but if you're on the fence with a roofing uh, claim or something like that these staff
0: adjusters tend to uh, they're gonna they're gonna help you out because it helps them out right and it's not that the national companies are are bad I just had an incident with my uh, car and it was a national company and the adjuster worked for the company he wasn't Mm -hmm. independent but he was great I was very satisfied But it just gives you an alternative to look at your options when it comes to insurance. All right, I've got time for one more quick question here. And I I don't know if you know anything about this, but they ask, how can you get stripes in your lawn with a regular lawnmower? Right. I haven't had
1: my time to uh, to talk to my landscaping guy about his uh, tips and tricks on this. But the only thing I've ever uh, known to do is basically mow uh, the yard on three inches and then come back. Uh, with a blade raised up a little bit and mm-hmm. mow it perpendicular to, to the first uh, mow. What, what do you got?
0: Well, I used to work in landscaping, and one way we would kind of do this is you take a weight. And you know if you're standing behind a push mower, preferably it has right. that big, thick plastic or right. vinyl guard so right. stuff doesn't shoot. You put heavy weight behind it. Okay. And when you cut the grass is that you go over it, the back weight weights the grass down in the direction you're walking. Uh. Now, when you see it at baseball fields or events, they usually have rollers and they Mm -hmm. have special equipment, but you can do it. I've heard of adjusting the cut, but that's just, I don't want to stop and readjust the height unless it's something you can easily do. Right, right. Just hire somebody to mow your grass and do it for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the thought of having to mow it twice. So. Exactly. <laughs>
1: just once is good for me.
0: Yep. And if you want more information on today's show where we talk about things in the future, the farther future and the farther, farther, further future, you can go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And any question you have for Donnie, again, click that Ask the Contractor button and submit it there. And if you have a question about your roof, well, I know somebody you can contact. That would be... Donnie Blanchard and Sure Top Roofing. You have a question about your roof, maybe it's time for a checkup if you had storm damage or you want to just prepare for winter, or maybe it's just time for a change. You can visit his website there at SureTopRoofing.com. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy this weather, and we will see you next time on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by Sure Top Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Your roof is the most important part of your home. Make sure you're protected with SureTop Roofing. We're locally owned, operated, and have been proudly serving Alamance County for the last decade. Plus, we offer a 50 year warranty on our shingles and 10 years on labor. If you're a veteran, ask us about our Roofs for Troops rebate program. Visit SureTopRoofing.com and listen to our weekly radio show at TheCarolinaContractor.com. SureTop Roofing, we've got you covered.